All right, hello and welcome to episode two of Zach and Max. Sorry for the delay. That's all my fault, 100% my fault. Uh, my old laptop decided to not charge anymore, so I did the responsible thing. I went to the store and bought a new one. So hopefully that works now. Hopefully the internet works too, and we have all the equipment and other means to get going, Matt. So I bought Matt my first apologies to the audience. My second one's to you. It's all right, Zach. Uh, you had your Mac for a long time. What did you have it for? About five years? I had it for five years, 843 charging cycles, which I've learned is a thing. And I also learned is a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. so it was time for a new one. It was time for a new one. I got maybe, maybe unwisely bought like the exact same thing, but the newest <laughs> one. But they gave me a good price. And I mean, it looks good and it's working now. So even though we thought it wasn't working before we got rolling, but you know, that, that's neither here or there. You know what was working, Matt, though? The, uh, the Dodgers bullpen yesterday. Uh, we're, we got to kick off with the World Series. I mean, we got a little Rays. We got a little Dodgers in there. We know a lot of Rays fans, but ultimately it was the Dodgers, blue, the boys in blue and white that, uh, that came, uh, came through with it. Uh, did you watch any of the game last night, Matt? Yeah, I watched a good piece of it, especially in the beginning of the game. I watched, right. I watched. I'd probably say the first six innings, I'd say, and then uh, I had to get ready for work and had to go to sleep, so I wasn't able to catch the back end of it. But I right. was present for when Kevin Cash made the move to take Snell out of the game. Oh, he was dealing, and was... I still don't understand it. I tweeted it out. It's I saw you like, tweeted. Yeah, it's not like you can save him for Game Seven. Right. Because he isn't pitching game seven. So I didn't understand it at all why Kevin Cash took him out. He was dealing. And we got to give props to the Dodgers. They were awesome in this series. Pretty oh, much yeah. dominated this series, Zach, in my opinion. They did I well. I thought yeah. they were dominant except for a few games. That game two, they lost that one, eight, three, really weren't in it at all. And then the other game that the Rays won, they won miraculously on that ball hitting the outfield and the catcher Smith thought the runner was coming home yeah. and he lost the ball. But other than that, the Dodgers really were in control of this series and they deserve their props. But if you're the Rays, you can't be looking ahead at game seven because you got to win game six and well, you have your ace on the mound. He's dealing. Well, what Not happened even at 80 pitches yeah, and was, you yeah. take him out. It just makes no sense whatsoever. These managers overanalyze everything, and instead of just throwing their best guy, they got to do the, what analytics says and take them out, and guess what happens? They give up two runs in that inning, and I said it. It would have had to been a Herculean effort for them to win that game. They were That's done, right. and I think a lot of those players, Zach, on that Tampa team thought we were finished. I really did. It was two to one, but I think a lot of people on that race team we're like, ah, you know what? We're done. And yeah, that's exactly what happened because Buki Betts hits a homer in the bottom of the eighth inning, and that was it. I mean, Mookie Betts did Mookie Betts things. I mean, he also had that big double as well that started that rally and ended up making it two to one in the game. And I remember, yeah, as soon as Snell came out of the game, I texted my friends. I said, that's it. I said, They're, the reason Cash took him out is because he didn't want to get him through the third time, uh, a third time through the order, which is something that happens. However, when you have a guy that's going that well, nine strikeouts, two hits, up to that point didn't allow a run. The only reason he allowed a run is because it was an inherited runner that Nick Anderson allowed to score. Uh, no walks. He's dealing. That, that's exactly what you're looking for out of your ace in a big game, an elimination game. He's going in there. He's taking and, – and that lineup, too, is incredible. You know, up and down. You got Betts. You got Seager. You got Bellinger. You got Smith. You got Justin Turner. You got all these guys. Everybody in that lineup can hit. And yet, Snell was going out there and getting everybody. So the analytics – and you know what, Matt? Honestly, so the analytics do say that. You don't want a guy to go a third time through the order. But why then bring in Nick Anderson that is was my the other thing. thing. Because Anderson, while he was great in the regular season, has been atrocious – in the postseason. I'm looking at his numbers right now. In the last two series, the ALCS and the World Series, he had an 8.31 ERA in three appearances in the CS and a 9 ERA 
in the uh, in the World Series. He gave up three runs in three appearances, three innings. And then in the prior series, he gave up four runs and four and a third. And he just hasn't been the same. His whip was two for both of them, and I get it. It's a small sample size, but that was when he was on the biggest stage. And frankly, he even gave up a run against the Yankees in a situation where it was not so good either. So to bring in Anderson there, instead of Fairbanks, who I know gave up some hits to the end, or a guy like Yarborough or Castillo or somebody else, Anderson should not have been the first guy to come out of the bullpen. I totally agree, Zach. That was the other thing that I thought as well. You bring in Anderson, who you mentioned. The stats weren't good, and he wasn't doing what he was doing in the regular season. And that's what ultimately was the deciding factor of this game. That inning and Cash going to his guy, Anderson, and he might have thought, oh, we like the matchup, but and he might have thought, oh, well, we don't think that Snell can get through the third time through the lineup. But this – and you saw his expression on the mound. Right. He was upset. He's like, I want, I want a pitch. Well, those guys, they want a pitch in those situations. Like I feel that's, like that's happened a few times, too, to Snell. I think in the last series as well, they took him out. Yeah. And he was like, why are you taking me out? Yeah. It just does, doesn't make any sense. And you know what, Matt? Does that maybe turn off future – and I know that they don't go after a lot of free agents, but does that turn off starting pitchers from wanting to join this team the, in the, the future? Rays, yeah, I think it does. Because they, yeah. they were the first team, I think, over the last few years that started doing this uh, – The relievers, opener. The opener with mm-hmm. the relievers. Yeah. I, I think you're on to something there, Zach. I really do. Well, yeah, because what are you going to – so you have Snell, you have Glass now. Those are your top two guys on your team. Are they going to want to re-sign with you if the Rays do want to keep you? Because in big situations, the team doesn't seem to trust you. Whereas if they go somewhere else, like let's say they go to the Angels. The Angels would love to have at least <laughs> one starting pitcher that could do that. Since, since they were really good in the late, like, 2000s, they have not had a single starting pitcher that would be an ace or two on like any other team except now they have Otani but I don't really consider him that because he hits a lot and he's been injured often so like they they don't have anybody over there so like they would jump at the chance to have Snell in that type of situation even with a progressive guy like Madden out there that maybe would go analytic wise but you got to have the balance you got to have the eye test and you got to have the numbers, and you got to blend them together. Personally, I really like analytics. I think that they they bring a lot to the game because they help you figure certain things out. Some people might think it's a little cookie cutter, but when you combine the two, you still get the same great brand of baseball, and that's what we saw out of the Dodgers, Matt. The, the Dodgers are the kind of team that they have the best of both worlds. They have all the talent in the world and all the knowledge in the world, and Dave Roberts in that front office, they know how to synthesize that and get the best possible product. And while it did take him a, a Mookie Betts and a Brewster Gatterall to, to get him to that final level, they made that trade in the offseason. That's what they needed to do. And they took it in, in the most unpredictable season that we've ever had in baseball. The team that was favored from the beginning came out on top. And you have to give them a lot of credit as well. And just to add on to Snell, while taking him out did make the difference in the game, it's, they brought it up on the broadcast. I think John Smoltz did. It's really hard to win a game one nothing. Oh, absolutely. And that Dodgers offense would have probably gotten to somebody eventually, but yep. the Rays didn't hit. They had one run on five hits, and that's it. Yeah, their one run was that uh, a Rosarina homer. Yeah, who now, just, <laughs> just like Barry Bonds, who had the most home runs before him in a postseason, uh, goes home without a ring. <laughs> you got to feel bad for him. I mean, he did. He carried that offense on his back. He, he made was them look incredible. A lot better than they actually were. Because when you look at their lineup, everybody was like, "Oh, you don't know who's in the Rays lineup." Well, that's on you because they're a bunch of talented players. All right, Matt, you're a, you're an Orioles fan, right? Yeah. Let me go through the lineup, and you tell me how many of these players that you would want on the Orioles right now. Okay. G-Man Choi. Yep. You would want him. All right, a Rosarina. Yeah. Meadows. Yeah, I'll take him. And Lau. Nah. Not Lau. Yeah, see, not even Lau, and he's considered the star of the team. Margot. I'll take him. You take him over Hayes? Okay. Wendell. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hay- Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Hayes, <laughs> I like Hayes. Right. He played in the Florida it, League. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. We didn't um, see him. 
Yeah. Uh, all right, Wendell. I like Joey Wendell, man. He's like actually him? from Westchester. Oh, really? Around for, around oh, okay. from where I'm from. So, all right, I mean, so I because gotta... of a hometown bias, you take Joey Wendell. Yeah. All right, Adamus. Uh, I mean, I mean, dude, I'm telling you, every single one of these players is better than pretty much every player the Orioles. All right, so maybe my example was bad because the Orioles lineup is that. Bad. <laughs> all right, well, I'll take it from me. I'll take it from a Yankees perspective. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that's right. better. That's better. G-Man, no, we got rid of him already. He was a Yankee for a little while. Uh, we have Voight and somebody else. Uh, and Mike Ford, not somebody else. Uh, <laughs> a Rosarina, yeah, but I don't know where he would fit. Meadows, maybe. Lau, yes. Margot, no. Wendell, no. Adamas, no. Kiermaier is basically Aaron Hicks, so no. And Zunino, definitely not. Like, that team, that lineup is not a ch- – especially stacking up against the Dodgers, right? Like, let's look, let's look, like, position by position here. This is probably the better example. Yeah, that's, yeah. So, Margot versus Betts, no-brainer. You take Betts. That's in right field. No-brainer. No in doubt. center field, Kiermaier, Bellinger. Obviously, you Bellinger. take Bellinger. Right. Left field, a Rosarina against, like, A.J. Pollock, Chris Taylor. Before the postseason, you would have said Pollock, but – because since, of how good he was. Since, yeah. Since he was awesome during the regular or postseason, you're probably taking him. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's go to first base. Choi against Muncie. Muncie every day of the week. Second base. Um, Chris Taylor slash, you know, Hernandez against Lau. Now, in that case, you probably take Lau because Lau has been hitting the cover off the ball the last two years. Yeah, he, he was good. He's been good. Right. But now shortstop, Seager against Adamas. Seager. Seager. Yeah. Third base, Wendell against Turner. Turner, catcher, Zunino against Smith. Or Barnes. I would take either of them, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. then, and then Meadows against a potential fourth outfielder, Jock Peterson. I would be more inclined to, to take Jock Peterson just because he's shown more than Meadows because he's played longer. So stacked up against each other, every position except for second base, the Dodgers had an advantage. So the Rays offense, while they're able to squeeze every last job out of what they have, that's not an elite offense. That's not an elite lineup. Nope. And if you're going to screw around with the pitching like they did the last game, they better come, fr- come through, and they didn't. And the Dodgers proved that they had more depth. And that's why they come out and they win this World Series right here, four games to two. Now, while it was a great series, it was a great matchup, and I did think that the Rays had a chance to win it, uh, it was, it's clear as day that the Dodgers were the better team, you know? I agree. I think the Dodgers were 100% the, the better team, and I had my doubts. I remember two weeks ago I said that the Dodgers were – were they were down 2-0 in that series against the Atlanta Braves and then won that game big. I think it was 15-3. to Yeah. And then they battled in that series, and it took a Cody Bellinger home run in the seventh to win that series. And it carried over in game one of this series against the Rays, that momentum from game right. seven against the Braves. And I, after game two, I really thought that the Rays might win this series. Right. I said, here we go. The Dodgers did it again. I know it was only the second game, but they, they had an opportunity to get up 2-0. They didn't do it. They gave the Rays life. And – to their credit, they got the job done, and they had another opportunity to possibly blow the series on that play in game five. Yeah. They could have said – they could have been in panic mode at 2-2, and next thing you know, they win the final two games of the series to take home their seventh title and their first since 1988, and they deserve it. They were the they best do. team pretty much all season long. This was a big – season for Dave Roberts because you were thinking hey if this guy doesn't win the World Series this year and they're there we might need to go in a different direction he's been there before right two weeks ago I said he was on the hot seat I think if they lost the World Series they probably get rid of him yep and to his credit he coached well he did he pushed all the right buttons especially in the last game the bullpen game that they did it didn't work as well in game two but, again, like, look at the performances they got. Like, Gonsolin, one and two-thirds innings pitch. He did allow the run. But then after that, Florio, like, gets out with a big strikeout. Alex Wood with two innings of three-strikeout ball, no runs. Baez, just one hit. Gonzalez, no hits, three strikeouts through four outs. Uh, Greater all got the two outs that he needed. And then Urias, I know I said it wrong. 
Anyway, gets seven big a seven out save at the end. This guy, not and not and this is with Kenley Jansen playing dad. So they didn't even turn to him in this elimination game. The guy was nope. supposed to be their best reliever. And Roberts still knew where to push the buttons at the right time. And let's face it, they outraised the race in the last game. So uh, I, I totally agree, Zach. Uh, this team from start to finish was awesome. You mentioned the guys in the bullpen, and that was that was big because it wasn't like yesterday they were up five one. It was no. a two one game, mm-hmm. and the bullpen did their job. And it seemed and like a five one game though. It, did, it definitely so did. Uh, it definitely did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It, it did for sure because the the Rays, you said it, I said it. They were done after that inning, and yeah. they just proved us right. <laughs> they couldn't hit anything. Sixteen strikeouts. Of course, the Dodgers struck out eleven times as well. I think that was a record for a nine-inning World Series game uh, because of all those strikeouts. So obviously, pitching was big the entire series. A lot of the games were really close. I mean, obviously, the first game was eight to three, but then you have six four, six two. Eight seven four two three one. A lot of great pitching. Let's talk about the best pitcher that was on both those teams. And uh, actually, instead of going right into it, Matt, we're gonna do a little bit of a premature hot or not because he's in it. And uh, okay. we're gonna talk. We're gonna do a little hot or not action going on right now. World Series edition. This was originally scheduled for last week, but I think that this will work just as well this time around. So number one on our hot or not list is Clayton Kershaw. Now, not just is he hot, this isn't just is he hot recently, obviously he is, but more on the spectrum of has he kind of cleansed the palate of his poor postseason performances of the past, and now we can see him as the all-time great pitcher as he is because he did so well this year when his team won the ring, and then obviously all the regular season successes he had. So is he hot in that regard, or is he not? Does he still have stuff to prove in the postseason? I think he's hot, uh, Zach. In the World Series this year, he pitched really well. I mean, he really did. 14 strikeouts over his uh, 11 and two-thirds innings. And in game one, he set the tone. He really did. In that six-inning performance, he only allowed two hits and, and only one run. And, and he, he, like you said, he had something to prove this postseason. Now, he did struggle early on against the Braves and his start there, and the Padres got to him with the six hits. But he really came to play in this World Series, and he kind of set the tone with that game one performance. Yeah. With those eight strikeouts, it was a really good performance from him. I'm happy for him because he took a lot of criticism, and deservingly so because he came up short in the postseason. There was no other way to look at it. Right. The guy came up short. And he deserved that criticism. But this time, he got the job done. And I'm happy for him because you said it, I'll say it. This guy's an all-time great pitcher, and he was looking for that World Series ring. And he was a big reason why the L.A. Dodgers are the 2020 World Series champions. It's that simple. Yeah, and you, you got the feeling throughout his career that if they were going to get a World Series with all those great teams, it would have to be because of him. Because offenses can get hot or cold, but you need to be able to lean on your ace. And they were able to do that this time around. I mean, he had an amazing postseason. Four and one uh, record through 30 and two-thirds innings pitched. All of his appearances were starts, 37 strikeouts, just five walks, and the 2.98 ERA for the postseason. Now all-time, he's 13 and 12 with a 419 ERA in the playoffs. But that number, all those numbers got considerably better uh, after all that. So, you know, he did a lot better. I would say Kershaw's hot too. I'm also incredibly excited for him as well. He deserved it. He's a great pitcher. Now there's no doubt, and there should be no doubt in anybody's mind that he's the best pitcher of this generation. He's got the three Cy Youngs. He's got the MVP. Now he's got the ring. All right. Next on the list is – where's his name? Oh, my goodness. All right. Is Randy Arozarena. So, 10 home runs in the postseason, a record, including one in the final game, and was so good in the po- and was so good in the World Series, the entire postseason, was a thorn in everybody's side. Surprised everybody, but at the end of the day, they didn't win the World Series. Does that so? The question here for Hot or Not is: Does that kind of take a lot of the uh, a lot of the excitement or a lot of you know the credit away because they didn't ultimately win at the end? So, Randy Rosarina, Hot or Not? I think he's hot. Uh, right. I don't think it takes away anything from what he did. Uh, he was brilliant 
uh, this postseason, especially in the World Series. Yeah. There was only one game where he didn't get a hit, and that was in game one. Every other game, he was awesome. I mean, you look at some of these performances. In game four, he went three for four with three runs, an RBI. He had an RBI in the last four games. So he was a major contributor. He had the only RBI last night, went two for four. Yeah. This guy is awesome. I think he's awesome. And he proved this postseason that, hey, I'm here. I'm here. And it was just, Zach, it it was a brilliant performance from a Rose Arena. And he's only 25 years old. Yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, you and got that, that, terrifies, that terrifies us as AL East fans, that's for sure. Oh, that's for sure. I mean, but, the Orioles, they're going to be in the dump for you. But <laughs> for you. I mean, he you. killed the Yankees in the, yeah. in the DS. <laughs> Although, I will say this. Some of it – so, I think he's hot, too, because I think that will go down as one of, if not the best, postseason. If they would have won, it would have went down, I think, is the best. Do you oh, think yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would easily go down as the best if they won because we don't talk about Barry Bonds' postseason performances because they never won, but he hit, hit eight home runs before. Yeah, the first time I heard about that was this this week with or this week with the World Series going. Yeah, on. and we lived through it, and we still yeah. didn't hear. But we were like small kids when it happened. Yeah. But still, like, yeah, I, I never heard of it either, and I like keep a pulse on those kind of things. Yep. I guess not well enough, but still. Yeah, and we never talk about Bonds doing any of that type of stuff either. Yeah, but my one thing with the Rosarina, I will say, so I think he is hot, but I need to see him duplicate the success next year because yep. we've seen, like, guys come alive in the postseason. David Freeze immediately comes to mind for me. Yeah, that, that's a good one. And he's that's a, a really nice, good And he was one. a nice player moving forward in his career. Like, he started for, you know, other teams and was fine, but he never, again, was, you know, was the same. He had good postseasons again, but – We'll see if a Rosarina becomes a real cornerstone piece for this Rays outfield. But if he is, I mean, that's going to be dangerous. You got Meadows in right. You got Kiermaier in center and Rosarina in left. Like, that's going to be really, really good. For years and years and years to come. Man. Yeah, because Kiermaier is locked up uh, for quite some time. So now, Mookie Betts, this is, a, this is a softball question, but hot or not, thought he, he said in an interview after the World Series, he thought he was going to be a Red Sox for life gets swapped um gets traded over to the Dodgers to the jubilation of everybody in the American League and much of the dismay of everybody else in the NL and anybody else the Dodgers would run into goes in signs that massive extension 12 year deal i believe it's 365 million dollars and wins himself his second world series title uh, just from a legacy perspective i mean i am i'm not even going to say how why is mookie betts so hot I just think he's got a demeanor about him that you you can't teach at all. This guy plays his guts out every night, and he proved it in this series and in this postseason that he can just carry a team. He was incredible. And every time the the Dodgers needed a hit or every time the Dodgers just needed a big play, he was the guy that came through and – what a signing and what a and what an acquisition really for the Dodgers moving forward because he's in his prime and he looks like he's just going to get better and better every year. I mean, he was awesome in in Boston and now he has that kind of World Series champion. He's a World Series champion now and now it's twice now in both leagues. Yeah, and and in both leagues. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, in the yeah. AL and the NL. And now it's his team, and he can move this move, or he can carry the offense and, <laughs> moving forward because uh, this guy is just special to watch, man. Uh, there's just no yeah. other way to look at it. He's got great speed. He's an amazing on the defensive side there in the outfield, and his bat's incredible. Uh, he was a big time player for the Dodgers all season long, and a, got another reason why the Dodgers are champions. Yeah, and you saw like him score with the infield in. Right? The ground yeah. ball the second. Who scores on that? Like, <laughs> he does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I thought it, it's funny because the infield was in, and for not one second did I think that they were going to catch him going home. I didn't yeah. think for one second. I'm like, of course he's going to score. And that's with the great defense of the Rays. And they made the right play thrown home, but there was no way that they were going to catch him. And he was only about maybe 40% down the line, and he still got into the tag. So 
Yeah, Mookie Betts, an incredible player. So happy he's out of the American League East. I don't have to see him. I don't have to worry about him anymore. Uh, (laughs) The only time you'll have to worry about him is if they're in the World, if the Yankees are in the World Series. Yeah, and that that might give you headaches. Yeah, we'll (laughs) we'll see. We'll see what kind of moves in the offseason they make because we learned that they're far from a finished product. But that's gonna we're gonna wait for a future episode for uh, sure to break down some free agency we'll probably actually matt we're gonna get to do a lot of free agency at the same time because we don't know when the nba is really gonna start or not uh the nhl the same thing we don't know where their free agency is going so we might have to deal with all sorts of that, those types of rumors at once and that's going to be a lot of fun uh somebody that's going to have to deal with a lot of uh, media scrutiny though right now is kevin cash so the reason I include him on the hot or not is because you can give him some credit. This team, though, they were the one seed in the AL East. But, again, they kind of have, like, a makeshift lineup. Like, they're all good hitters. Uh, one of them emerged as a great hitter. Lau is above average, very, very good uh, in that lineup. And he was able to navigate and, you know, push a lot of good buttons to get him to this point, got him to game six of the World Series. But – his managing, he kind of like the Rays as an organization outsmarted themselves. Is Kevin Cash hot for getting this Rays team with such a low payroll to the World Series, or is he not? Because once he got him there, they just couldn't hang with the big boys. I think he's hot at the end of the day because he did get his team to the World Series. Now, did the moment get too big for him? It it probably did in those in the World Series. He he made some questionable decisions and. Obviously, the one that we're all going to remember is taking Snell out too early. But yeah. if you remember earlier in the series, he let Glasnow pitch way too long. Oh, yeah. He didn't pull him. He was getting battered so, in that game. Yeah, yeah. He just kept on throwing, kept, kept him out there. So, did the moment get too big for him? Yeah. Is he hot at the end of the day? Yeah, because that team, like you said, such a low payroll, Zach. You really didn't – you expected them to be good, but did you expect them to get to the World Series? You no. didn't. You no. didn't. I didn't and think they'd be able to hit. Yeah, exactly. And they did. So that's why I'll say they're hot. I understand both sides of the argument because you could say, like I said earlier, when you got there, how'd you do? And right. he didn't do that good managing his team. But I will give him credit for this. After game one – when they were losing, after game one, they lost. Yeah. They battled back, won that game two. And I was like, okay, this guy has – this guy – people believe in this guy. Right. This team They play hard for cash, yeah. Yeah. So that's where I was like, okay, this guy has a control of his team. They listen to him. And his team battled. I mean, you look at that game five, man, that was – incredible now they didn't oh, yeah. win the last two games but he did a pretty good job all season long and it just didn't end the way the Rays and and he would have wanted and yeah he's a good manager and he's going to learn from this and don't be surprised if they somehow get back there now the AL is pretty good and yeah. they're going to have a tough road ahead if they want to get back there but it's certainly possible because that's a young team, they battle hard, and it's just going to be up to them trying to maneuver their way in the AL East and in the American League playoffs. Because they're going to be there again. They're going to have an opportunity. It's just, are they going to be able to learn from what happened in this series to get there? I would love to see them open the checkbook just a little bit. Yeah. Not for anybody. It doesn't even have to be an A-list guy, but if you can get like a veteran on an affordable deal, like Nelson Cruz is available. Now, they'll never – chill out for him but he seems to have never forgotten how to hit ever like if they can if they can get a couple yeah but if they can get a couple more cogs in there like maybe a better hitting catcher i know zunino had some really good hits but you can't have a catcher that's hitting like below the mendoza which is like what he did for like most of the season so you can't have that happening you have to have everybody up and down especially in the american league with the dhs there uh i think they're fine on the on the front in fact they probably need another starting pitcher because they had three and then you go to that bullpen game. So if they're able to like open up a little bit, maybe dive in, get some, some low cost, like high reward type of guys, which of course the Rays would be able to find because they can find a diamond in the rough seemingly anywhere. Uh, I think they'd be right back there, but you mentioned they are going to have a lot of tough competition. 
You know, because the even in their own division. So the Yankees, you know, will be there. The Blue Jays are on the rise. So they're going to be really good next year. Um, the White Sox are playing a lot better. Cleveland's there. Minnesota's there. The A's. Uh, the A's are there. The Angels, if they ever, for the love of God, oh sign gosh. any effective they are pitchers, so frustrating, man. they'll be there. They drive me nuts every year. Like, I, I used to hate the Angels growing up. And then when they got Trout, I was like, this is a fun team. Like, I like them. But they have, like, all the talent in the world on the offensive side. <laughs> and they, and got just, no, they got nothing for pitching. It's and it's crazy. weird. They, like, it's almost like they refuse to sign pitchers. Like, they tried to get Cole, but they had to know They're, that he wasn't going there. One of their now, best signings was was Dylan Bundy for starting. That, that was their top. Yeah, and <laughs> and you in Baltimore can say everything about really? how good Dylan Bundy is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Really, uh, that's all that needs to be said there. But like you said, they're going to be on the rise as well. Yeah, they could be a lot better, especially if they pick up a couple arms. Uh, even Matt, even if they had all like three starters in the rotation, like if they just filled up, if their rotation was all average guys, they'd be set. They'd make the postseason and they'd be fine, but no, they can't even do that. I'm they sorry, this is not supposed that. to be. This is not supposed to be an Angels. Run. They can, and they, also right. they they can't even they can't even w- be competitive in their division because no. the A's and the Astros are better. But we'll, the A's like and the Astros, said, are we'll, like you said, we'll save that for another time. But. Yeah, well, Seattle and Texas are also in the division, and they somehow are you know just as effective as those two teams exactly. that are going nowhere fast. Yeah, all right. So that's it for hot or not. Uh, looks like everybody was hot, so that's cool. Yeah, it uh, doesn't always happen. Yeah, that, that, that might be a first. Honestly. That might be a first. Yeah, it's a, it's a, every time we've done this. Yeah, four four person hot streak. Yeah, I mean, because there's an argument for Cash to be cold. I thought that you would say not maybe for him, but again, like he took the team to the World Series. You kind of you kind of reeled me in on that one. Oh I'll yeah, be honest with you, <laughs> you reeled me in. Yeah, I mean, he was great. You know, I, I mean, he made that one bad decision. He'll be remembered for it, but. I mean, the Rays, who hadn't made the World Series since 2008, to come back 12 years later, uh, it's something pretty impressive. So now we're going to move over a little bit closer to home for you, and I was hoping you'd speak a little bit more to this. Uh, 76ers have hired Daryl Morey to be their new uh, – I think it might have been to take overall basketball. I know he's at least the general manager. Uh, so how do you feel about that? Him and Doc are there. So, a big signing there, getting Daryl Morey over to a Sixers team that, frankly, Matt, they've underperformed. They should have at least been to one finals at this point with this core. Yeah, I'm excited. I really am, Zach. You're and a Sixers he, fan, right? I am. A, I'm a big Sixers fan. All right, as I thought so. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm really excited for Daryl Morey to be with the Sixers. And I'll be honest, they, they've made some really intriguing moves in the, in the offseason. Really, you bring in Doc Rivers to be the new head coach after Brett Brown's dumpster fire of a postseason. And really yeah. a dumpster well, fire. Well, every year is a fire, uh, dumpster fire of a postseason. Well, this season in particular was a dumpster fire the entire season. Right. And uh, I think Daryl Morey comes into a situation where you got to be able to handle Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I think the, the number one move that he's probably going to make if we're going to be honest, is what are you going to do with Al Horford? Because yeah. It really didn't work last year. Joel Embiid and Al Horford playing together, it really didn't work. I was – I'll be the first to say, at, when they signed Al Horford last year, I was pumped up because he came right. through. Every time they played Boston in the playoffs, he shut down Embiid. Mm-hmm. He hit some three-pointers and stretched the floor, dominated us inside. And the first five games of the season this year, he played really well, and then it just went downhill real fast. Now, Doc Rivers has a winning mentality, and now he's got something to prove as well because that Clippers team, when he was there, they didn't even reach a conference finals. No, they they gave him the keys to a Maserati. Exactly. They had Blake Griffin. C3, CP3 earlier when he started, and you get Kawhi and Paul George, and you still can't get it done. Now, he did win a championship in Boston, and I think a lot of people are looking at that and saying, this guy's a good coach because of that, but he really hasn't done anything since then. Right. You think about it. So, he's got to prove himself. Right. I do think that when people hear Doc Rivers and players hear Doc Rivers, they listen. 
Right. When Brett Brown was talking, they didn't listen. Well, no, you could see by all their second half performances. Exactly. You, yeah, you no influence. And I was listening to a J.J. Reddick podcast. <clears throat> he had Jimmy Butler on, and he was talking about what, you know, what they were doing during, like, a meeting or something. Yeah. And he said after the meeting, he turned over to J.J. and was like, what was that? What did we get accomplished here? <laughs> and that's the type of coach that Brett Brown was, and he was, right. he was so frustrating. I think I, I'm – I'm up and down with this Doc Rivers signing or hiring because I think he brings a certain kind of edge and a winning culture. Right. But at the same time, what have you won? You yeah. won that championship in 08. That's it. So he's got something to prove in my eyes. But I like the Daryl Morey bringing him in and, help, and being a part of this front office because he had a lot of success in Houston. Brought yeah, in James Harden. Uh, brought in James Harden, made them pretty much title contenders or Western Conference title contenders. Yeah. Every year now they didn't get it done, but he's a good executive. He won the executive of the year in 2018. Mm -hmm. He knows how to bring in players, and it will be interesting to see what kind of moves they make because you remember last year the Rockets went small, completely yeah. small. They got rid of Capella, and they went small. They brought in Roco, and they said, all right, he's going to be our center. I don't expect that. Yeah, to Rodney happen. Covington, your center. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't expect that to happen in Philly because you got a dominant big man. Joel Embiid's better than Clint Capella any day of the week. Well, yeah. Well, so, you have three guys that are six ten. Yeah, exactly. On the roster, yeah. what you got well, at hope, least, yeah. What also you got to hope is that Doc Rivers can get to Tobias Harris. Yeah, because. Harris, when he was in L.A., had that one season where he averaged close to 20. Well, it seemed like won. everywhere he went, he would do that. Yeah. And then he comes to Philly and doesn't do anything, really. I uh, think the problem with him in Philly, though, was, I mean, Simmons and Embiid are so ball-dominant. Yep. So you have those two guys on the team. That's a good point because then he was ball-dominant for the Clippers. That's a good point. Right. Like, Harris needs the ball. Like he's, yep. And I'm not saying, like, he's a volume scorer. Like, he needs, like, a million shots. But you have to run something, like, through him. Yep. And I thought that he would have an advantage over there with the Sixers because he'd, cut, he'd be the third option. But, so, but Embiid needs the ball so much, and Simmons needs the ball so much. He can't be like a catch-and-shoot guy, and that's it what they be. were expecting him to be. Yeah. They were so expecting, that, hey, chill, chill in the corner, and we're going to dish you the ball and hit threes. He couldn't do that. Right. When he was in L.A., when he was having that good season before he got traded to Philly, you said it. He was ball dominant. He did in Detroit, too. Yeah. He had, yeah. He had the ball at the top of the key mm -hmm. and created. Now, he doesn't have those kind of opportunities really to do that because of what you just said. Simmons is ball dominant. You got to give Embiid his touches. And when he finally does get the ball and tries to create, he doesn't make the jump shot. So, right. I mean, it's just so frustrating. And yeah. this team was so frustrating, Zach. I do think. You got to look at this team next year, though, and be like, they are legitimate contenders in the East. Right. You got to think that. They got to be better than last year. Now, you look at the East, he went to the finals last year. You got to be better than them. Right. Brooklyn's getting their big guys back and yeah. Katie and Kyrie. So, We're coming to town, man. And <laughs> you're a Nets fan. So oh, yeah. you got to watch It's out a miserable existence, but maybe we're turning the corner. You got to watch out for them. Giannis yeah. and the Bucks. They're good. They're always there. The Celtics. They're always going to be. The Celtics, they, they were one game away, yeah. really. So, or they were right there. So, you got to be better and you got to compete. And the Raptors. Man. If they the resign Van Vliet, they're going to yeah. be great again, and too. The Raptors, too. I'm totally forgetting about. How can I forget about that? They're, it's so weird. They won the finals years ago, and they're still such an easy-to-forget-about team, even though yeah. they're really, really good. I don't understand. I think it's because they were bad, like, for so long. And, and they could never get over better. the hump. Yeah, and then they were average, and then they got Kawhi won, and now are back to being, like, now they're the team. That they're they dogs, were, like, man. They are. They're a great team. They're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I hate that they're in our division, although yeah. divisions don't really matter. But still, like, they're not – they're <laughs> yeah, not got to play them four times a year, man. Yeah, they're it's not tough. fun to play four – no. I mean, I don't like playing anybody except for the Knicks four times a year as a Knicks fan. <laughs> I'm like, we can play the Knicks as many times as we want. Like, that's fine. And we don't even beat them all the time for whatever reason. <laughs> <we want. laughs> 
Yeah. Well, the thing with the Sixers, though, from like an outsider's perspective, is I'll believe it when I see it with them because I do like Rivers. I'm, I do like I'm with Murray, you too. But there's not there's not a lot you can do this offseason to immediately improve the roster. So you need Rivers to kind of get things to click there because I still am not convinced with the Simmons and Bede marriage. I think that I don't like Simmons as a point guard 100%. He can't shoot the three. He's got to develop a jump shot. Right. The whole he's so he's so good when he plays inside though. So I get that he's a good ball handler, a good passer, but why can't he be like a Jokic kind of kind of guy where he still plays down low and can still distribute from down there and yep. get his points? Maybe if you work down there with Embiid together, that would work, but then you also have Horford. So now you're the biggest team in the NBA, which they already kind of are. They're already mm-hmm. one of the bigger teams while everybody's moving small. I think we're going to see some radical change before the 76ers compete. If they're in an Eastern Conference Finals in the next couple of seasons, either Embiid or Simmons will not be on not the be roster. There. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So they don't, I, they mean, don't have any cash I hope that I hope that's not the case, but right. that's, a good, that's a good point because it hasn't worked yet. Well, right, and, and, and look at these cap hits. So Tobias Harris next year is making $34.3 million. Simmons is making $30.5 million. Embiid's making $29.5 million. Horford's making $27.5 million. He's making way too much. Yeah, and then you have Josh Richardson making ten point eight. And then the next highest player is Mike Scott coming off the bench, a good bench player, at $5 million. But, yeah, look at those top four contracts. And three, they're all forward – they're all – um, front court players. They're all pretty much untradeable too. Especially, yeah, you can't especially move Harris and, and Horford. Yeah, you can't move those guys. I mean, you gotta try to move one of them. Right, I, but it's not gonna happen. Nobody's gonna take. No, who's gonna take them? Is is right. Is, so is that leaves Simmons and Embiid, the the faces of the process. But you gotta move one of them. I think it's gotta be. I personally think it's gotta be Simmons. Just because there's so many good point guards out there that you can get to shoot the three point shot. I agree with that. You can get like Simmons might be a top, like you know he's a top player. He's very good, and a lot of teams would be better with him on them. But he doesn't fit with what the Sixers have right now. They need a guy that can distribute. What I would like to see, this won't happen. But Ben Simmons swapped over to the Thunder. You put CP3 on this team. You get a guy that can distribute. He it can could get happen. Tied to all these guys. I'm saying the money's there. More, um, you know, CP3 has been with Maury before. Now he might be mad because he traded him over to OKC. But I don't know. You get them together. He's worked with Doc before. You did Simmons. You get somebody that can shoot, that can pass. He's a little older, but the money matches there. And I don't know, you get, I always thought that if they got a better point guard on that team, that they'd be deadly. Not saying that Simmons is a bad point guard, but he can't shoot. And you can't have guys that can't shoot in the backcourt. Especially in today's, in NBA. today's NBA. It, it can't happen. No. You got to have guys who can shoot. And I am just praying that somebody gets in his ear and tells right. him to shoot the ball. Uh, this yeah. has just been a continuous thing here. Well, it's a time. joke. He can't shoot threes. And he's it's, a point guard. He the can't national shoot a 15-foot jump shot without <laughs> fading away. Yeah. When he shoots a jumper, he's either back to the basket, fading away, or everybody's – he's in the corner wide open and the crowd's yelling, shoot. That's when he shoots. <laughs> but he That's can't – but it doesn't go in. <laughs> he made, what, two threes last year, if that? He made two threes. I remember there was a big deal when he made one three. So, I know he's made at least one. <sighs> Man, the team's so frustrating. This is so frustrating. Well, because they're right there, and they have a lot of talent, but the talent doesn't mesh. No. And you see what happens. Like, the Heat, they have a bunch of above-average guys and, like, one star, but yeah. it works because their talent can work together. Sometimes when you stack a lot of stars together, it doesn't work. That's what's happening with the Sixers right now. You're seeing it. So, they got to get – again, the team's too big. They got to get a little <laughs> smaller. And I think more, and I think Maury knows how to do that. He just I think so too, because he did it. In, he did it in Houston, right? So why can't he do it here? And we'll just have to see. I like it because of the success he's had, and a lot of people are down on Elton Brand. I'm not one of those guys because I look at those moves that he made. It didn't all work. Yeah, but people in Philly at the beginning of this season. 
thought this team could go to the NBA Finals. I don't yep. want to hear anything different. Yep. They got rid of Jimmy Butler. It stunk. I get it. But you brought in Al Horford, and you brought in Josh Richardson, and people thought, okay, you would bring in Al Horford. He dominated us in the playoffs That's in Boston. Right. Let's bring him in here, man. He's, who's get, who can guard Embiid now? We learned later that somehow Mark Casal can defend <laughs> Joel Embiid. Yeah. But, like, you looked at those moves and you're like, okay, Brand, you're trying to win. I like it. And mm-hmm. obviously, during as the season moved, moved along, it didn't work out. But I'm not going to blame Elton Brand for trying to make the team better, although not signing Jimmy Butler did hurt, man. Yeah. It hurt because you brought in – you kept Harris – and you got rid of Jimmy Butler, but you added an Al Horford. Yeah. And you thought that those two guys combined were going to give you the production that Jimmy Butler did. And it just didn't work out. And I'm not going to fully blame Elton Brand like a lot of people have done here in Philly. Yeah. But Daryl Morey, I think, will bring a good change for the 76ers as well as Doc Rivers. At the yeah, end the I think Rivers will do a good job as well. And you talked about prediction at the beginning of the season not panning out. Uh, you know, let's talk about other things that didn't pan out. And that was my picks last week. Uh, <laughs> I went two and three two weeks ago. Now, I picked winners, but the Giants and the Ravens didn't cover the spread for me. So I ended, those ended up counting as losses. So if you were to bet those, you would have lost. I did win with the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Uh, but, again, Giants and Ravens didn't cover the spread, and the Vikings flat out lost, even though I thought there was no way that, uh, the, you know, the Falcons would beat anybody just because they can't hang on to a lead. So now we're going to go with picks again this week. Uh, Matt, I think I'm going to go first this time just because you did better. So to save the best for last, and you'll actually be making some people money. Uh, so let's see if I can get it right this time around. So for my local picks, these are really, really tough because they're massive lines. The New York teams are both big underdogs here, but I'm going to try my best. So the Giants are 10.5-point dogs against Tampa Bay on Monday Night Football. I have the Giants. Um, I'm, picking, I'm picking them in that game. Old. Now, not to win. I, I pick them, but I don't think they're going to win the game. I think they're going to cover the spread because I think the defense is going to be good enough to hang. The secondary has been good. They proved they can stop the run. I know Brady is a really, really good quarterback, and he's been dominant lately. But I think that the Giants' defense is going to be good enough. Now, are they going to be on the field all game? Maybe, because they're not going to be able to run. They can't run anyway against an average defense. But it's going to be up to Daniel Jones to see if they actually cover that. I just don't think that they're going to lose by that much. They will lose, but I think they'll keep it moderately close. So my first pick is the Giants up there. The next pick, and this is going to sound comical, the Chiefs are 19.5-point favorites at home against the Jets. <laughs> and I'm picking the Chiefs. Because I think you know what? There's no reason to pick the Jets to score. Because that assumes that the, if I pick the Jets, that'll assume that they'll score any points I don't think they're capable of doing that. I was shocked that they put 10 up on the Bills. They were up like, 10 nothing. Right. Yeah, but they but everybody knew that they were going to lose that game. <laughs> oh no, I I know that. Their but, defense Hey, is they so were up bad. 10. Right. Their defense though is so bad. Their offense is so bad. Kansas City is going to run even if Kansas City plays like C-level Kansas City football, they're going to destroy the Jets by did at you, least three scores. Did you say they had four total yards? In the second half. Yeah, four total yards in the second half. That team what? is terrible. Well, because you have Gase running the show, and then he passed off the play calling to the offensive coordinator, who is also bad, and then the talent is Four bad. yards, man. Yeah, four <laughs> yards. Matt, they're, they're an embarrassment. Uh, was, Sam Darnold returned, too. So, But him being there and not being there is not a big difference because – you can't block. Nobody can block for him, and he has nobody to throw the ball to. And he still makes bad decisions from time to time. So I have the Jets losing that one. I think they're going to lose by at least twenty points. That tells you my feelings on the team. Uh, my next pick. This one is a little bit more of, you know, a toss up. The Chargers are visiting the Broncos. I think that L.A. is going to come away with the win there. Um, I did a big write up about that for the Survivor League that I'm in. Uh, Now, of course, I can't find it anywhere, but I had a lot of cool tidbits. Oh, yeah, here we go. So, last week, of course, the Chargers beat Jacksonville 39-29. to Justin Herbert put the offense on on his back because the ground game just wasn't there. 
Herbert, 347 yards, three TDs, 66 rushing yards, and another touchdown. Uh, they have the fourth best offense in the NFL, averaging 405.8 yards a game. And the Broncos' defense has been effective, but they're really banged up. And their offense just can't hang. So I think the Chargers are going to be on the field. They're going to be on the field for a long time. And that's going to exhaust the Denver defense. And, frankly, Denver's offense is so bad. Uh, They're going to be three and out left and right, even with Lockback, even if Melvin Gordon plays, even with Lindsey playing. That team's offense is just not good enough. I have the Chargers winning that game and taking the three points. Now I have to switch back to the other Google Doc. There we go. Now Bill's Pats. Bills are at home, three-and-a-half-point favorites against the Patriots, which means that it'd be about a toss-up on even ground. The Bills will be favored by a half a point or one point, depending on what you think that usually is. I think the Bills got that. I think the Patriots are a bad team, Matt. They're, they're I think not, they're bad. They're not They're not good. where they want to be. They're two and four. They're uninspired on offense. The defense that was so great last year has not quite been there. They had to replace Cam with Jared Stidham. Both of them seemed out of sync. Now, I don't think that they, like, because of respect Belichick, maybe they'll finish 8-8. Eight and eight. They'll go 4-2 and two the rest of the way. But, man, this, this team is not – I don't think they're very good. And I think Buffalo, although they've had their issues, they got their bounce-back win against the Jets. I think only winning that game by 8 is a wake-up call. But Josh Allen looked really good in that game. And I think that they're going to game plan really well and focus around Belichick. I know I picked only favorites so far. But I think that, or rather, no, I picked the, I picked the Giants plus 10.5. But I really think that uh, Buffalo is going to take care of business against the Patriots. And finally, this is my biggest underdog pick of the week and may turn a couple of heads. But I got Miami plus 3.5 against the Rams. And I'll tell you why. Miami's at home. They're 3-3. Three and three, And they have one of the best point differentials in the entire NFL and they have actually they have the they're second place in the AFC East, but they have the best point differential. The Bills have actually surrendered more points than they've scored. Uh, this is just a good team. I really like the Dolphins uh, in this game. They have uh, oh, here we go. My numbers are up now. Plus forty seven point differential. Um, they destroyed the 49ers. They shut out the Jets and the defense. Um, I believe is the second best. Yeah, they're the second best in terms of scoring defense. Only 18.8 points allowed per game. Matt, only your Ravens are better. And I think Tua going into that offense, even though he's a rookie, he's talented enough, even with the limited weapons around him, to make it work. He's a little bit less unpredictable than Fitzpatrick is in terms of is he going to throw 19 picks or is he going to throw seven touchdowns? I don't know. I think you know what you're going to get out of Tua. I think he's a good quarterback. And I think that they're, the defense is good enough to shut down the Rams and the game plan will be just conservative enough to keep Tua in it. So I have Miami in that game. That's my big, bold pick of the week. And, yeah, so those are my five picks. I'll go through them one more time real quick. I have the Giants. I'm picking the Giants. I'm picking the Chiefs over the Jets. I'm picking the Dolphins to beat the Rams. Uh, I got the Chargers over the Broncos. And I have the Bills over the Patriots. Matt, I will remind you. My laptop is on 8%, so we'll get through your pick segment. Of course, it only took four percentage points to get through mine, so I'm sure that you'll be fine. <laughs> All right, Max, week eight picks. We went four and one last week, Zach. We had a really yeah, solid beat, week. Beat my butt down last week, that's for sure. Four and one. We had the Bears money line pick of the week, by the way. Yeah. Lions over the Jags. The team backdoored covered there against the Giants and the Titans scored that touchdown on overtime to beat the Texans to get that cover for me the yeah, Ravens yeah. didn't cover although they definitely should have and the Eagles came back made that a game they won at 30 right. to 28 yeah we both picked that one so here is my week eight picks Steelers travel to Baltimore for a AFC North showdown Steelers 6-0 and undefeated Ravens 5-1 and their only loss came to the Kansas City Chiefs, pretty much dominated every other team they played. I like the Steelers in this one to cover that four-point spread. I think the Steelers are legit. I think they're a really good football team. I think they went to Tennessee, and although Tennessee battled back, they did a lot of good things, and special teams really won them that game, and Big Ben's looked really good. They got a bunch of weapons. I think the Ravens really haven't looked that good. I, I, right. The last few times, uh, especially on offense, 
Lamar doesn't look like he's in MVP form. Well, they can't pass the ball. Exactly. They're 31st in the league in passing. Yeah. So, I don't – I'm not really confident right now as a Ravens fan against this Steelers team that looks really good offensively and – Let's not forget how good this defense is. Well, they stop the run better than anybody else, and that's the thing the Ravens do well. And that's, the, that's what the Ravens do well. They, they like to run the ball. The Ravens are at home, but I think the Steelers cover that four-point spread. I do like the Ravens to win this game because they're at home. And I, know, and I think Justin Tucker could have a big game and make some field goals in this game that could be huge for the Ravens. I think they win, but they ain't winning by more than four points. Give me the Steelers right. plus four over the Ravens. Moving right along, I like the Eagles on Sunday night football against the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh. Zach, the Cowboys are the second worst team in the NFL, right? Just a smidge in front of your New York Jets. Really? I'm a Giants fan, but still. You think yes, they're worse than the Giants? Uh, I think they are. They beat the Giants. Uh, they are worse than the. They are worse than the Giants. At least Joe Judge has control and yeah, has guys true. playing hard. This Cowboys team. Did you see Andy Dalton get hit? Yeah. All, everybody just. They're not taking more backlash for losing against the football team. They're taking more backlash because when John Bostic hit Andy Dalton, everybody just kind of was like, "All right, he got hit." Instead, yeah, of it's ridiculous. For their core. I know he's your backup, but you got to do something. Yeah, let's let's see some leadership here. They, yeah. They traded Everson Griffin to the Lions. This team is a dumpster fire right now, and Mike McCarthy has no control over the team. Give me the Eagles minus seven and a half. They wow, that's a lot. They, it is a lot. It is a lot. And I, but give me the Eagles minus seven and a half. The Cowboys are finished. They, they're, they've quit through six, seven games. Mm -hmm. Give me the Eagles. They didn't look as good against the Giants, Zach, a 22-21 victory, and Carson Wentz. And the Giants should have won that game. Oh, they should have. If Evan Ingram catches that ball, they will go on and win that Well, that seems like the the reason for every Giants loss recently. (laughs) If if Evan Ingram caught that ball. Oh, man. I mean, as you had a show last week. uh, That would have been the story. How how devastated you were after him dropping that ball. But um, every week. It is a high number, Zach, seven and a half, but the Eagles have some guts. Carson Wentz looks like he's progressing each week. Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward look better each week offensively. Brandon Graham is leading that defense against a sorry Cowboys team that doesn't even have Andy Dalton. They're starting some dude named Danucci probably this week. Yeah, didn't they draft him in like the seventh round or something? Yeah, from James Madden. Yeah. Or Madison. Madison. Give me the yeah. Eagles minus seven and a half. I would be more confident if you went to a school called James Madden because at least Madden is a good football <laughs> name. All right, moving what along. What we got here. next? We got Seattle <laughs> versus the Rams. I like Seattle minus three. The 49ers have looked good, Zach. I mean, they, they beat playing, the Wait, Seattle's playing the Niners, right? Yeah, the Niners. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, Excuse no, me. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seattle versus the 49ers. Give me the Seattle minus three. The 49ers have played better, beat, New, beat up New England, beat up the Rams. They're, they're hot. Kyle Shanahan looks like he's got something going, the momentum. But you're playing Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, who are coming off a devastating loss to – Kyler Murray and the Cardinals in a shootout in Arizona. I think Seattle wins this game at home against the 49ers. Give me a minus three Seattle over San Francisco. Now, Matt, a prop bet that I'm going to make, do we think that they move DK Metcalf and make him a two-way player after tracking him? (laughs) He's the best defensive player. Well, I was was watching the game with my buddy, and – as soon as the ball was picked off, I said, he's not scoring. And he said, why? I said, because DK is going to catch him. And this is when he was all the way back. And lo and behold, about six yards short, there he is. He's a beast. And besides Bobby Wagner, Matt, I think he might be the best defensive player on the team because that defense is real bad. Yeah, no, they, they didn't show up at all against Arizona. And Kyler Murray and Hopkins and, and Kirk were really shredding them all game. Yeah. But – Russell Wilson's a big-time player, 
And if this is a close game, which I expect it to be, I think Seattle and Russell Wilson, if they have the ball last, they're going to score and win this game by more than three points. All right. I think they win this game. I'm going to go 27-24 or 27-20 in that range. Maybe I think they might even get the 30 and win this game 31-24, 31-20. All right. Moving right along here, Zach, this is a little bit of an upset pick. I like the Bengals against the Titans, plus five and a half on that game. The Titans are coming off a loss to Pittsburgh where they had to come back. But I was really impressed, Zach, of what I saw from Joe Burrow in the loss to the Browns last year. Yeah, he looked real good. He's a stud, man. He was shredding the Browns, and they had no answer whatsoever for him. I think they score in this game. I think – they're not going to win the game, but can they cover five and a half? I think so. Give me the Bengals plus five and a half. Burrow, Mixon, uh, Tyler Boyd's looked a lot better, um, and he's been a big-time player for them at the wide receiver and position. And T. Higgins, too. Yeah, Higgins has looked really well. Uh, A.J. Green is looking to take a, a step forward. I know he was complaining early on in the season, but he's getting a little bit more touches. I don't like him to win but I think they will cover against the Titans team that is ground and pound. They, I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. Tannehill probably took a step back last week. People were talking about him being an MVP candidate. Right. And the Steelers said, let's tap the, well, let's tap the brakes on that. Yeah. Let's tap the brakes on the Ryan Tannehill MVP. Stop. Yeah, Derrick Henry makes that team run. Stop giving me Ryan Tannehill's an MVP candidate. <laughs> I'm not believing that for a second. They beat the Bengals, though. It isn't going to be more by more than five and a half points. All right. Here is my money line pick of the week. It cashed in two weeks ago, hey, people. You're right. It you're cashed right. in. I picked the Bears over the Panthers, and it happened. Here it comes again, Zach. I'm going to go against your pick Ooh. on the Bills. Okay. I like the Patriots. Money line pick of the week. Bill Belichick's been doing this for years, and the Bills – now they have a chance to win the division. They're 5-2. and two. They're right there. All you got to do is beat New England at home. They won't – or no, they got to beat – yeah, they got to beat New England at home. They won't get the job done. Really? I'm telling you that right now. They won't do it. They've looked bad the last few games. They did beat a sorry Jets team but couldn't even get in the end zone. Okay? Then now you've got to face a team that desperately needs a win in New England. You saw what Cam Newton said earlier this week about saying, hey, if I don't step up my game, I'm going to be replaced. I think he plays much better this week. I like New England to get the job done, and I'm not picking against New England, against the Bills, in a game that matters until it happens. Give me New England, Bill Belichick, over the Bills, max money line, pick of the week. We're one for one. Let's make it two for two. But, Matt, the offense threw four interceptions last game. That all, And they couldn't run the ball. Hey, hey, you're, you're betting against Bill Belichick. Have fun, man. It worked four times this season. <laughs> but this is a game that matters now, Zach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, the Bills haven't won a big game in years. Beat New England, and I will say happily – I'll be happy if the Bills win. <laughs> Let me get that straight. Right. I got. I, I understand. But you want your money line pick to be two but, and up. But if we could get the two for two on the money line pick of the week, I'll be ecstatic too. But don't. I, in the back of my mind, I'm going to say, Bills, you better not let me down and win this game so we can get New England out of the AFC East Kingdom. See, you, you guys should go with Matt's pick because if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, you could see his red, his face turning as red as the stripe that the Bills have on their jersey. <laughs> so that, that if that doesn't exude confidence, I haven't, I haven't seen Matt's face turn that red since somebody hit an absolute moonshot down in the Florida <laughs> League over this summer. So that, that's confidence for him. That's, when his face changes color like that, that's a good signal. 
<laughs> it's a good sign. So give me New England over the Bills on the road. That's my money line pick of the week. I'll recap my picks. I was 4-1 and one last week. We're looking for a similar situation here this week. We got the Steelers plus four in Baltimore on Sunday Night Football. Eagles minus seven and a half against the Cowboys. No, excuse me, not on Sunday Night Football. They're playing at one o'clock. Eagles versus Cowboys. Give me the Eagles at minus seven and a half. That's on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, and it should not be on Sunday night. No, let's get – yeah, exactly. I don't know how they didn't flex uh, Ravens-Steelers, but that's, you know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. I think they're playing a night game later. I think it's on Thanksgiving they're playing a night game, so they probably don't want two Steelers-Ravens games at night. That might be – a reason why why wouldn't you ah whatever i don't make the schedule yeah exactly so eagles minus seven and a half against the sorry dallas cowboys team seattle bounces back and beats a hot 49ers team at home give me seattle minus three and a half Bengals plus five and a half over the titans i mentioned why joe burrow and that offense looks like they're going to be clicking i think they're going to score a lot of points they ain't winning the game but they're going to cover the spread and then max money line pick of the week new england beats the bills Bills, prove me wrong, but you're not. I guarantee they won't do it. <laughs> New England money line pick of the week. We're looking for two and zero on that. That is my pick, Zach. And All right, let's go NFL right. picks, baby. This is it, it. Should be presented by something. I mean, they should. Not. I mean, you have your Yeti hat on. Yes. Uh, maybe we'll get a sponsor by something. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna beg and plead for sponsors like I did in our first episode of Florida League Fridays. Although I would again. But uh, I don't know if I can bring the same passion the second time around. I think more time needs to pass between the two rants. But maybe we can get something done you know, somewhere along the line. But maybe I'll talk to – sorry, a bunch of paper just fell on me. I'll talk to, like, a local business or something or anybody. Or, hey, if, you know, if you want to sponsor the show there at home, you're listening in, we're more than happy to take your calls. Uh, you know, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Smolen Sports. Matt, I always forget your handle because I always forget what the number is. At yeah, the it's end. at the underscore Cobra in all caps 66. You can find me on Twitter there. That's it. I uh, thought it was you can also place. contact us via Gmail, Zach. They or no, Yahoo. Place. Yahoo. Yeah, that's Matt right. Zach 217 at gmail.com. Hey, right. email us your questions. We'll answer them here on the show. That's right. Well. Tweet us the questions as well. well. We'll work that in. I mean, we have no cap on how long the show's got to be we just hit all our targets and try to keep it at a reasonable length for you guys but yeah thank you so much for tuning in sorry about oh matt's got one more thing i got one more thing to say i like that you raised Uh, your hand man in in the uh (laughs) in the sports radio world joe beningo that's right that's right i just want to say what a legend a goat in the industry zach this was somebody that uh over the last few years i wasn't really i didn't really listen to a lot of joe and evan right high school and really through college i mean that's fair you don't live in this area yeah Yeah. so you know i kind of found out about them uh on the radio.com app and uh i listened to them a few years ago and it's actually it's my favorite show i listen to them pretty much every day uh, in the afternoon they're a good fan show uh yeah no i uh, joe beningo you know congratulations on a a great 25-year career you're one of the reasons why i'm pursuing this this sports broadcasting field uh, him and Doc Emmerich, who just retired as well. Yeah, Doc um, was great too. Doc, uh, I mean, he was somebody I looked up to as a kid. So, uh, you know, him and Joe, Joe pretty recently here because I haven't really listened to them. I've probably listened to them the last three years. So, uh, yep. just want to say, you know, awesome careers, both those guys. And uh, you'll be really missed. And uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's going to be – it's difficult not seeing Joe in that studio, man, doing his Jets brutal loss rants, man. Oh, yeah. I'll miss those. I'll miss those. But Don't uh, worry. we'll, we'll bring career. him here. Yeah, we'll bring him here. All right. <laughs> yeah, so, con- exactly. congrats to Joe Beningo. Also, obviously, Doc Emmerich retired on our hiatus. The only reason we didn't have an episode last week is because of my equipment failures. The equipment's back. We're ready to go. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you so much for tuning in. Episode two of Zach and Mac. Take it easy and stay frosty.